How good is God? God is so good. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Sometimes you eat too much turkey. But God is always faithful. Amen? What am I going to do with this? I don't want to stick it in my pocket. I'm just going to leave it right there. It looks weird, but that's okay. Um, so, so we prayed for each other. How many of you, as you were holding on to the people around you, how many of you sensed God showing you something specific to pray for the person that you were holding on to? Not that you have to say what it is, but... Um, it's just it's just neat to experience the, the Holy Spirit speaking to you about somebody as you're praying for them. Um, and I'll tell you this. It says in, in Romans 8, 26, that, that even when we don't know how to pray, God prays with us, through us, in us, for us, with groanings that are too deep for words. The Spirit starts moving. And, and even though we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays through us because the Holy Spirit knows what's... Uh, what the needs of, of, are out here. He also knows the, the mind of the Father. And so we can sort of tap into that. And I can't tell you how many times uh, you know, somebody will come up to, to uh, ask for prayer or call me on the phone and ask for prayer. And I'm just thinking, I don't know how to pray for this. But Lord, show me how to pray. And I start to pray and stuff just comes out of my spirit that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. Uh, but you just yield yourself as a vessel to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows that's the promise. The Holy Spirit says, you don't know how to pray. God knows what he wants. You just need to be, you just um, turn on the radio and then just listen to the Holy Spirit and just pray what the Holy Spirit shows you to pray. And it's just so wonderful. So i uh, I just, sometimes I think if we don't, haven't experienced this a lot, we think, oh, I'm probably just making this up. And, and of course, the devil wants you to, to have doubt and unbelief about it anyhow. So, um, so we're afraid to step out sometimes. But when you step out in faith, Jesus is always there to catch you. Peter stepped out. And faith in the boat. And, and who was there to catch him? Jesus caught him. He got a little wet, okay? Uh, but in the end, Jesus caught him. Even though he, his, his walking on the water wasn't perfect, but he never had any practice in it before. But Jesus caught him. And Jesus will always catch us when we step out in obedience and just let the Holy Spirit work through us. So um, one of the reasons that I, I think it's so important for us to pray for each other like this. And even and here's something that happens a lot. Maybe I don't know how to pray for Randy. I'm holding hands with Randy. I don't know how to pray for him. So I'm just saying, Lord, just please bless Randy. Just bless him whatever ways he needs, Lord. Just, just send your spirit. Just, just bless him. Just impart your power on him, Lord. And then all of a sudden, God shows me. So I start out just praying, Lord, bless him. And then I'm in the middle of that prayer. And then God shows me. Uh, suddenly new stuff comes out that I didn't know when I started. So sometimes you just step out in obedience and then God hijacks the prayer and takes it where it needs to go anyhow. Amen? Is that good?
All right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so we just sang this song, Our Living Hope. Um, so I decided to name my sermon that. Um, but we are talking about, on this first Sunday of Advent, you know, we change the names of these candles sometimes. I think, that, I think this year this is going to, so this is going to be the, the candle of hope. And then there's, um, there's going to be peace and love and joy. I think that's what it's going to be. Um, there's all sorts of different ways to do this. Um, all right. Um, but speaking of hope, <laughs> yes, I'm going to get you all all scratch offs for Christmas. So, <laughs> um, so talk to me. But you realize how many millions of dollars get spent every year on lottery tickets in the state of Texas. Just and I'm, and some people just they do it for fun and that's okay if you. If you if you'd rather spend it on lottery tickets, then um, at least it, it yeah instead of food or or uh, at least the money goes to help pay for uh, public school financing uh, instead of just taking your money out in the parking lot and setting it on fire. But there are there is this notion, and you've all you've all played this game, especially when the lottery. Like this game in your brain. When the lottery gets up to like $650 million, we all say to ourselves, I don't play the lottery. I don't play the Well, I might, I might buy a ticket uh, if it gets up really, really high um, just because, hey, you never know. But once you've bought that ticket, then you know what happens in your brain, right? Well, what if I, what if I did? When what would I do with all that money? And pretty soon, um, you have solved world hunger. You've created world peace. Um, you've, I mean, it, you know, you, you're going to give all this money away to all these wonderful causes, and you're just going to keep enough back to fix the roof on your house. Um, and that it's uh, lottery is selling you. Something. What is the lottery selling you? Yes. This, the lottery is selling you hope, but it's... The, the word... Uh, the, the world's definition of hope and God's definition of hope are completely different things. Whenever... Um, whenever you... Uh, so... So when you look out, you get up in the morning, you go outside, and there's some clouds out there in the sky, and you can say, boy, I, I hope it doesn't rain today. Or you might say, boy, I hope it does rain today. Either way, what are you really saying? Wouldn't it be nice if? You're not really sure it's going to rain. You're not really sure it's not going to rain. But I kind of hope, I wish that maybe everything lines up right, that maybe... The weather would turn out the way I want it. You don't know for sure. Uh, you're just, 
And so you buy a lottery ticket, and it's like, boy, I hope this lottery ticket... Uh, but the, very, the way we use it in the world today, hope means, not really sure, but wouldn't it be nice if it worked out? That's the kind of hope the lottery sells you. And that's the kind of hope that most people think of in the world when they're talking about hope. That's, that's not the biblical basis for hope at all. We're going to talk about that today because this is the candle of hope we're talking about. Okay, so it is important to know that... Uh, that God's people have always been a people of hope. This is from Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 6 through 7. And we, th- we always read this at Christmas time because it's the foundation for the, the promises uh, that God's people have always looked towards for the coming of a Messiah. Let's read this together. For a child will be born to us, A son will be given to us. Are y'all reading this? And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It doesn't say the zeal of the Lord of hosts, Lord of, the Lord, that, that's the Lord of Sabaoth, the, the Lord of angel armies. That's what that word really means. The Lord of angel, the God of angel armies, the zeal of the God of an army of angels will accomplish this. It doesn't say might accomplish this. Wouldn't it be nice if God accomplished this? It says the God of angel armies in his absolute zeal and commitment and enthusiasm for this will accomplish this. This is going to happen. This is the foundation for biblical hope. God has made a promise. I'm looking forward to it. And Going forward, you know, all through the Old Testament, there are promises about the coming of the Messiah. Uh, Messiah uh, didn't come in the time of Isaiah. The Messiah didn't come in the time of Malachi. The Messiah didn't come in the time of Abraham. The Messiah didn't come during the time of David. But there were these promises that says there is, there will be a time when the zeal of God the God of angel armies is going to make something awesome happen that's going to change the world. And so God's people patiently, hopefully, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Right from Isaiah 40. You can, each, you can translate that word. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You can also translate that word in Hebrew. They that hope in the Lord. Because hoping and waiting have a lot in common. Usually when you are hoping, you don't hope for something that you already have, right? Well, I hope my car is out there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it depends on their neighborhood. If you're, left, if you're in the neighborhood like where Anna lives in Abilene... Um, <laughs> Um, maybe your car will be out in the parking lot when you get out the next morning or not. Hopefully. <laughs> That's right. 
Um, so, but anyhow, um, God has made a promise. You're just waiting on it. While you're waiting on the Lord to fulfill his promise, that's hoping. I'm going to get, but so, okay, so there's a lot of power in hope. Uh, here, here's just one example from the New Testament. I love this verse. I don't even, honestly, I don't even know for sure all of what this verse means. Um, because this is so mind-blowing. Everybody hold on to your mind. Just like put your head right, right on top of your head, because I don't want anybody's brains getting splattered against the wall. <clears throat> See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. He's bestowed this kind of love on you right now. How great is God's love for you? That we would be called children of God, and such we are. What are you now? What are you right now? You are a child of God. Such you are right now. For this reason, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. But the reason we're having a problem with the world is because we're children of God and the world doesn't know him, so it has a problem with us. But, beloved, now we are children of God, but wait. It has not appeared as yet what we will be. So, how many of you are thinking that being a, being a child of God is pretty good, right? Are you all happy with being a child of God? Do, do you know that that's just, just like, right now you're so, sort of like a caterpillar? Uh, right now you are a caterpillar of God. Uh, it has not yet appeared what you will be. But, but you are going to be something that's even bigger and better and more amazing and more awesome than simply a child of God. Uh, it's not yet appeared what we shall be, but we do know this, that when he appears, we will be like him. We will be like him because for the very first time, we will see him truly just as he is. We will see him as he really is. Do you realize this? Nobody with perhaps a handful of his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration saw Jesus as he truly is. But you remember what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? So there was Jesus up there. There was Moses up there. There was like Elijah up there. They were just hanging out. And the Shekinah glory came down and they all just started glowing with this this amazing sort of uh, transformative light and power just emanating from them. Uh, so we'll see Jesus as he really is. We'll be more like that. And when that happens, we will be like that. You know, C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity that um, if just for a moment we could see what Sheila's going to be like when she is in heaven, we wouldn't necessarily be able to say, hey, Sheila, we would, because she, would, she is going to take on the appearance, an appearance that is so awesome and so mind-blowing and so imposing that you would be, your first response would be to fall down and worship her because she is going to look like Jesus. 
and you're going to look like Jesus, and you're going to look like Jesus, and you're going to look like Jesus, you're going to look like Jesus. It's all going, it's all going to be way different. Right now we are stuck in this world having this hope. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, just keeping in mind that even though right now we look kind of dirty and dinky and our life is kind of crummy sometimes, this isn't all there is. This is, you are only in the middle of the story of your life. And your destiny, I'm not making this up, y'all. This is what the Bible says. This isn't pie in the sky. This isn't just something that only applies to Eddie and Chuck and nobody else. Uh, This applies to all of us that one day we will see Jesus just like he is and we will be like him. Um, And keeping that in the forefront of your mind, looking forward to that. You know, right now, some of you look in the mirror. I don't have any mirrors in my house, so I don't have to worry about this. But some people look at their mirror and they think, well, I need to lose like 20 pounds. This doesn't look very good. I need to lose like 20 pounds. Um, but instead of looking at the way you look now and say, I need to lose 20 pounds, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, one of these days I'm going to look exactly like Jesus. I, would, I mean, when you get up in the morning and you're like you're brushing your teeth and you look at one of these, so I look pretty bad right now. But one of these days I'm going to look like Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. And having this hope is what keeps your focus pure, that keeps your heart pure, that keeps your faith energized. That hope, it, you don't look like Jesus yet. Turn around to somebody and say, mm, you don't quite look like Jesus yet. <laughs> but I know Jesus is in there somewhere. Uh, amen? amen. So that, that hope, looks, looking forward, purifies us. Okay, here's another cool verse. Hope is also part of a process. Um, this is w- one of most people's least favorite uh, verses from Romans chapter 5. This is starting with verse 1 of the book of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Great news. We're not at war with God anymore. Uh, Jesus Christ, through whom we've also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. We, it all comes by trusting what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. We are saved now. We've received grace now. We are His now. But we are moving from glory to more glory. And we have a hope of moving into it. We, we get excited because one day we are going to step into an even deeper, more amazing level of glory. And, so, and glory in Greek uh, is a simple word, D-O-X-A, doxa. Let's all say that, doxa. And it, and literally in Greek, this word, this this word means woohoo. <laughs> Glory means ah, oh, this is so amazing. This is this is tremendous. This is overwhelming. Uh, this is this is reaction. Uh, 
if your team wins uh, the national championship on a, on a field goal with no time left on the clock, and, and if your team wins uh, the national championship on a field goal with no time left on the clock, what do you do? If you're in the stands, what do you do? Ah! That's, that's what doxa means. Uh, that kind of overwhelming. So we are, we are moving from, uh, we are hoping, we're looking forward to stepping in to an experience of the glory of God that makes us all go, let's all try this, all together, right? We're going to step into the glory of God and we're going to all go, ah! ah! All right? Okay. Uh, but not only this, see, it would have been fine if he'd stopped there. But no, he kept writing. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. If somebody, if, if somebody ever told you that as a, as, a, if, as a Christian, if you're living right, you'd never have any problems, don't listen to them anymore. <laughs> Unfriend them from Facebook. Take them out of your contacts. Because it says right here in the Bible, we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation triggers off a process which brings about perseverance, and perseverance uh, has the result of strengthening our character. And as our character is strengthened, it empowers us to stand in hope. While we're in the middle of all of this stuff that's going on, and we're saying like, wait a minute, I thought as a Christian that Jesus was going to take care of me and protect me from all of my problems. No. Uh, what we have to help us get through the difficulties that still come in this life is hope in his promises. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts to the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So you go through stuff that gets, pushes you back to trusting in God, trusting in God, hoping in God, Hoping God. Well, you were going to hope in the government. That didn't work out. Well, you were going to hope in this new job. Well, that didn't work out. Well, you were going to hope in this new boyfriend. Well, that didn't work out. You were going to hope in getting this degree. Well, that didn't exactly work out. You were going to hope in getting a new house. Well, that didn't exactly work out. You keep going through stuff, hoping that, that some new thing will make your life perfect. And what you discover is nobody's perfect. Nobody's nerfic. Everything, is, uh, everything has flaws in it. And as much as you were looking forward to having your life fixed in this life, your life is not going to be fixed in this life. What you have is hope in the promises of Jesus. And eventually you go through all this stuff till you suddenly realize, as long as I have Jesus and I know Jesus has me, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be a party all the time, but it's going to be okay. Because I finally discovered that he loves me. He has poured by the power of the Holy Spirit. He has drenched me in his love. And even though on the outside, life isn't, that relationship isn't like what I wish it was. Or that other thing didn't turn out the way I wish it was. I feel his love sustaining me. I, and against all odds, I feel the hope in the presence of the Holy Spirit welling up inside of me. And I know it's going to be okay. That kind of hope doesn't disappoint. If you're hoping in Jesus, you will never be disappointed. If you're hoping in anything else, good luck.
All right? Okay. So here's, here's the promise of hope. I became a servant of the church according to the stewardship from God. So God, God gave me uh, a, a calling. This is Paul to the Colossians saying, God gave me this calling, uh, and I'm fulfilling it. But here's my calling, uh, to be able to reveal to you the mystery that's been kept hidden from ages and generations, but I'm now revealing it to you. God wanted to make known to you the glorious riches of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Christ in you, and 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 Christ in us. Christ, Jesus, welling up inside of us by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, leading us into a present state of glory where we can, we can see the power of God move in our lives and go, wow, see, let me tell you what Jesus just did. Let me just tell you what Jesus did. A lady called me on the phone. Some of you may know her name is Nancy Cook, and she sort of comes to church here like once, twice a year. Um, she, she's a wonderful, sweet lady, and uh, she lives up north of Dallas. On Thursday night, she was driving home on the, on the North Dallas Tollway. How many of you have ever driven on the North Dallas Tollway? Uh, okay. What? <laughs> you don't want to. Okay, she was driving home from, from Dallas to McKinney. Um, and it was just getting dark, and you can imagine that there are a few people Thanksgiving night with her on the North Dallas Tollway. Nancy's 79, uh, and up in front of her, she was in like the second lane over from the left. The car in the far left-hand lane slammed into a, uh, a concrete pillar, started spinning, spun, her all, spun across all six lanes of traffic, smashed into this pillar on the other side. And everybody was fine. <laughs> uh, well, she... she uh, all 200 cars that were charging, she said... Somehow we all, and it was, it was raining a little bit too. Um, we, uh, she said, somehow we all slowed down at the same time um, so that nobody lost control of their cars. Nobody ran into the wreck. Um, we all came to a complete stop. It looked like some people were taking care of the uh, stuff to take care of the people who were, had the accident. So I just kept driving. But she said, Jackie, I just, uh, it had to be the hand of God, not only that protected me, that protected everybody else on the tollway from what could have been just a horrific, horrible accident. Uh, And in that moment, what Nancy was doing was sharing with me the glory of God. To be able to say, wow, wow, do you see what Jesus just did? Not just for me, but for everybody else on the North Dallas Tollway. This is amazing. God is so wonderful. Christ in me leads me into glory. 
and moving into more glory where my whole life is going to be an experience of God's faithfulness and God's love and God's power that makes me constantly go, glory, glory. Let's all say that together. Glory. The Christ in me, the hope of glory. The whole point of entering into a relationship with Jesus is to become more like Jesus, enter more deeply into His way of life instead of ours so that we are experiencing in a constant way a revelation of the presence and power and glory of God. We're not just little worms crawling along here hoping to get by. We are being changed from glory to glory to be more like Jesus so that one of these days people are going to look at us and when we get to heaven and they're going to mistake us for uh, Jesus himself because that's how much we're going to be changed. All right, let me wrap this up real quick. Okay, uh, here's what you need to understand. Hope is the foundation for faith. We, we tend to think that faith is the foundation for everything. That's not really right. Hope is the foundation for my faith. Let's say that together. Hope is the foundation for my faith. Let me explain why. Let's say it one more time. Hope is the foundation for my faith. Say it even louder because I want the people out there to hear it. Hope is the foundation for my faith. And this is what you have to get straight because all our lives we've been taught by the world that hope is like 50-50. Hope is like a lottery ticket. Hope is like maybe if I get really lucky, something that I really want will happen. But that's not hope. That is wishful thinking. That's dreaming. That's positive thinking. That's not hope. Let me show you this. The, the Greek word for hope is elpis, not elvis. Elpis. And this word in Greek means to look forward with an attitude of complete confidence that something which has been promised will absolutely come to pass. Absolutely come to pass. Based on, let's read, let's read this together from, uh, uh, from Elpis. Let's read it together. Elpis means to look forward with an attitude of complete confidence that something which has been promised will absolutely come to pass. Absolutely come to pass. Maybe you don't know the exact date or when, but there's no doubt that it's coming. Of course, the easy example is being pregnant. Um, being pregnant, you know the baby is coming. You don't know the exact day or the hour that the baby is coming. And I have observed, because I was married to a pregnant lady for a while, um, um, knowing how much struggle there is, the closer it is for the time the baby to get here, I don't know, when's this baby going to get here? When's this baby going to get here? When's this baby going to get here? But here's one thing you know. The baby's going to get here. Not me. It didn't come today. But it's going to get here. That's Elpis. That's the Elpis kind of hope. It's been promised. It's been guaranteed. There's, um, there's no two ways about it. The baby is coming. It's just, that's Elpis. It means to be absolutely convinced that something that has been promised is coming. It may not be here today, but it is coming. 
Now, um, because he who makes this promise is faithful. What you see in the word is all of the promises of God. They are all true. They are all yours. You can put your hope and expectations confidently in all of them. Now, here's faith. The Greek word for faith is pistis, and it defines the actions we take based on the hope we have. Faith is always uh, it's a position of action. It's, a, it's like we usually, uh, we usually see pistis as pistio, which means believe, uh, and believe is an action. And because, so, um, Peggy, come up here. Um, go, now, now turn around. All right. Now look at that chair that you were just in. Okay. I want you, I want you to, Peggy's going to now demonstrate, demonstrate an act of faith. One, two, three. Now if she, um, the, the easiest way to prove that Peggy has faith in the chair is to take an action. As long as you stand there and say, all right, I see this chair is blue. Looks like it's got um, steel tubular legs. It's got a nice little cushion on it. I'm pretty sure that if I sat down in that chair, it would hold me up. See y'all later. And then walked out the door. Did she put any faith in that chair? She knew everything about it. She could give you a lecture on the chair. But the only one way to demonstrate faith, that's through an action. That's through some level of obedience. And sometimes it's based on the hope. God has told you, my God shall supply all your needs by his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That becomes hope, which is God said. It doesn't say God will probably meet some of your needs according to a little bit of his riches in Christ Jesus. It says, my God will supply how many of your needs? All your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Based on that promise, you live your life a certain way. You live your life with expectation. You live your life with generosity. You don't just take what little blessings you have left and lock them up in the closet. Because if I run out of these blessings, then I'm really in trouble. No, God's going to always meet all your needs. So you can live lives of obedient generosity, blessing people, knowing that God has promised He's going to always meet your needs. That, so th- as you move out in the world and you bless people with whatever resources God has given you, th- you're, you are taking actions of faith based on the hope that you have in that promise. You see what I'm talking about? The promise is this. God's going to meet all of your needs by His riches and glory, Christ Jesus. So that means I can be generous. I don't have to hoard. I don't have to be afraid. I, don't have, I can be Jesus with, with skin on out there to people who have needs in their lives, and God puts me together to, t- to touch them. Your, your actions of generosity are based on your hope that God will always meet your needs. James says it best. We hate this. We hate the book of James. If you're raised in in, in the faith movement, the charismatic movement of the 70s, you hated the book of James because we wanted everything to be always just all about faith and always about trusting God and always being able to speak things into existence and blah, blah, blah. But then James comes along and he says, faith without works is dead. Because you can't, James nailed it. He said, look, you tell me that you have faith, fine. You can talk about faith all day long, but I will show you 
my faith by the way I live my life. Because I have hope that God's going to meet all my needs by his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I have hope that one of these days I'm going to see Jesus face to face and I'm going to be just like him. I have hope that Christ is living in, I know Christ is living in me, so I know that it's going to mean living in the glory of God for the rest of my life. And that's going to change who I am and that's going to change how I live. Hope is the foundation. I'm I'm not in heaven yet, but it's just a matter of time. And so in the meantime, I'm going to live like I'm already there. All right? Think you can live like you're already in heaven today? You think you can live with the, by reflecting a little bit of the love of Jesus just the way you are? Faith without works is dead. And here's the purpose of hope. I'll just wrap this up with it. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. This is from Hebrews. Hold fast to that hope. God's made you this promise. So you're waiting for it to be completely, perfectly fulfilled? Fine. You and everybody else in the body of Christ. But... And while you are waiting, remember, he who promised is faithful. Say that together. He who promised is faithful. Louder. He who promised is faithful. You can trust his promise. He's faithful. He will never go back on his word. So our job is to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How can we encourage each other to live like people of hope instead of people of fear? So many people in this world are bound up by fear, and that goes just as much for the church as any place else. People bound up with fear, bound up that I'm, they're going to do something, and God's going to pull the rug out from under them, and they're not going to get any blessings at all. So they just l- l- live bound up and tied up and depressed and discouraged. So, but we need to, to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day is that that we see drawing near? The day when we see Jesus and we become like him. Between now and then, we hold on to our hope. We hold on to that promise. We encourage each other to live like people who believe the promises. Because that's who we're called to be. He keeps his promises. We hold on to our hope. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Because, why, is it, why did God send us a Savior? Because we all need to be saved. God sent us, he, he sent us a Savior because we all need to be saved. Not just once, but we need to be saved like every single day from something from our own fears from our own failures from our own sinful behavior from our our own uh, shame from our own past from our fear of the future we all need to be saved every single day and we have a savior that's 24 7 365 who's made you promises that he will always keep amen will always keep them Sometimes you wait, but you wait with confidence. Waiting with confidence is called, what's it called? Hope. Waiting with confidence is called 
hope. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. So it's Christmas time, and that's fine, I guess. I just like the thing that Pat read this morning. Um, we can get totally carried away in all the this Christmas stuff and miss the whole point. Lord Jesus, remind us every time we look in the mirror that we are looking at somebody who one day is going to look like Jesus. Somebody who's going to be like Jesus. And Lord, I pray that every day we look in the mirror, you would blow our minds a little bit more and strengthen our hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.